Hi there, you're listening to the Spirit Room Podcast with me, psychic medium and mentor, Melissa White. This show is for developing mediums, budding intuitives, and those who just find themselves curious about spirit and the afterlife. I'll share my experiences with you working with spirit as a professional medium for over a decade. I'll also interview people that I find brilliant and fascinating and provide you with some insight into how you can live this life to the fullest, knowing that there is so much more available to us than what meets the human eye. So I invite you to sit back, relax, enjoy, and let's just see what spirit has in store for us today. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Spirit Room podcast. I'm Melissa White. I'm your host, and I'm so happy and delighted to welcome a really lovely and special guest today. Her name is Mary Agnew, and she's an evidential medium, intuitive, and shamanic practitioner, and she's worked with the spirit realm for over 20 years. Mary began her healing career as a registered nurse working in oncology and later in the field of mental health, both of which deepened her interest in working beyond the confines of traditional Western medicine. Though aware of the spirit world since she was a youngster, she was led further in that direction through her intensive study with native Peruvian shamans and realized that mediumship was another path to helping people in their healing journeys. And Mary has studied and demonstrated with world leaders in the field of mediumship, such as Mavis Patilla, Tony Stockwell, James Von Prague, Lynn Probert, and others. She's been to Peru multiple times to study shamanism, and she's currently enrolled in the uh, ministerial program at The Journey Within in New Jersey. So welcome, Mary. Thank you so, so much for being a guest. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. I'm delighted and excited to talk with you all today. Oh, it's a pleasure. So we were chatting just before we press record and just commenting that it has been years, but I think that would have been at least five years ago, maybe, that we met for Tony Stockwell in-person workshop, I think. I believe you're right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's time has flown by. Um, And let us know where you're calling from today. Today, I am in the Missouri Ozarks, so outside of St. Louis and just west of St. Louis and in the rolling hills and clear streams of the Ozarks. It's an old, old land, and it's just beautiful here. Fall is in full swing here. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, me too. Me too. I've never been... But I would love to. It's, it's yeah, that's a place where I would love to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's it's very ancient. The, mo- the mountains here are quite worn down because they're so old. And so the, the hills and the valleys, they, they hold some messages and some secrets. And it's a, a very mystical place to be, as, as are all places. I know where you are in Canada as well. It's just some amazing sacredness up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so cool to think, you know, like, just of 
that concept that yes, of course, every place is, you know, contains some magic and some something sacred. But I think that's the thing with travel is that that is so exciting and interesting to experience the different energies of different places. And for sure that the land does hold those messages. Definitely. Isn't that the truth? You know, there's that one song, and of course, I'm my brain scrambling to get the name of it. But one of the lines in the song that always speaks to me is, where I am is holy. And that is so true. Where each one of us are, it doesn't matter if you're in an apartment in the middle of the city, or like I am sitting out here in, you know, the, a very rural area, every place is holy. And I, I, I so love that. That's beautiful. And you know what's interesting about that song? Are you thinking of, oh, I think it's where I where I sit is holy or something like that. Yes. Anyway, yes, yes, yes. it used to always be played. I know Janet Nohavik who's now in spirit, but yes. at the Journey Within, she would play that song a lot. Yes. At demonstrations and things like that. And that is one of the most beautiful songs I think I've ever heard. And anytime I listen, you could you could just feel how sacred that energy is, definitely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's one of the things that I love to share with others who are just beginning on the journey. And, you know, like I said, might be in an apartment in the middle of a city and they're like, oh, well, I can't. Yeah, you can. Every place is holy. Every place we are is holy with just the, the thought. All it takes is us turning our attention to the sacredness of place. That's so true. And I, I totally agree because there's, yeah, there's plenty of times where students will, will mention that, like, or just the idea that they're in a small, like exactly apartment or a place where they're living, with, you know, other people and it's noisy and there's, mm -hmm. you know, the mm -hmm. traffic going by. And of course there's always, you know, those distractions, but it's so true what you're saying that it is really an intention that we set and then just shifting your awareness. And it's, it takes, a moment and yet it's so powerful and and that's all it really takes right right beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. so could you share with us how you kind of came to the realization i know you said that yeah in the bio that you had been aware of spirit you know since you were young but how did the mediumship really develop for you or when did you sort of recognize that that was a part of you know part of what you wanted to do and how you wanted to express your healing right well yeah because when i was a kid i was terrified of it because i was raised very strict catholic and so the only option available to us was that must be something demonic this satan blah 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 so i was terrified of feeling spirit at that time so what happened for me and i think this is true of an awful lot of mediums mm -hmm. i really began my journey like 20 odd years ago when we had two tragic deaths in our family within 18 months. And I find in talking to a lot of mediums, trauma, personal trauma is what starts us on our journeys. Yeah. This pain and this desire to do something, do something, by God, do something with that pain. And that's, that is truly what propelled me on my journey. It's been a, a windy road, but it's been one that has been so fulfilling to me. But 
that is how I started was trauma, personal trauma. Right. Oh, I agree. And oftentimes it is that it's trauma or grief or both. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. anything that kind of brings someone to their knees, like there's just something that happens where it's almost like you don't have too much of a choice but to surrender maybe. And then Mm -hmm. once you do, all of a sudden this door, you know, it's like the door is opened. And I think with, especially with loss, like when we're looking at grief, now that you've, if you've got someone that, you know, a profound loss, someone that you love very much, and they're now in spirit, it's almost like now there's like that piece of you, a part of you that is in spirit. And so that door, I think, just opens even wider. And it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty phenomenal to think like how those events, when we look back, we can see, oh, wow, that was, that was a real catalyst. Absolutely. I mean, losing our nephew, Tyler, when he Mm -hmm. was 18, Mm -hmm. was the worst thing. And then mom died the following year, another worst thing. But now when I look back on it, I mean, I, I would not, I I probably would have found this path, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't have found it when I did. And like you said, those doors would not have opened and I wouldn't have felt like this is home. This is what I need to do. So yes, I totally agree with what you just said there. Yeah. And I think too, you know, it's it's when you've experienced your own pain and and been in the thick of grief, there there is something that you can kind of offer as far as I mean, you can hold space for people even if you haven't, for sure. But once you have, I just feel like there is something there that you can kind of I think hold space in a different way for others when they are going through the the depths of their own, you know, sorrow. You know, you're so, that is so true. You know, unfortunately, having firsthand yeah. experience does give you a level of empathy and understanding and ability to hold that space, as you say. It does. It 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 truly makes a difference. And just yeah. like you said, of course you can without mm-hmm. not every medium has gotten here right. uh, by suffering loss. That's been <laughs> right. my journey, my experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's been mine too. And then also in a, well, yeah, in a way. And then it seems, it seems common when I talk to people or ask, you know, a lot, I think a lot of us do, you know, come to it from that from that um, perspective. But yeah, certainly uh, once in a class I was talking about this and one student was like, well, I've, I haven't had any trauma. I haven't had any losses like that. And I said, oh, it's okay. It's not a prerequisite. Like you don't have to have gone through it, (laughs) but it seems to be kind of a common, you know, just more of a common theme that seems to come up. But you know what? I'm so fascinated. I'm interested in hearing about shamanism because I can't say that I know you know too much, but I've always felt very intrigued and just thought, oh, I would be wonderful to hear your you know your journey with that, and also just for people listening, like what that's about and and how that is for you. You know, I'm not surprised that you're intrigued because shamans have been part of healing their community since there were communities since we stopped being the you know since we 
started gathering together around the fire. It was the shamans who healed the community, held the community, helped the community. So it's deep within our DNA to be interested in shamanism. So I accidentally fell into shamanism through, I, I started my exploration of all this through healing touch, because at that time I was still an RN. So I had that very scientific mindset mm -hmm. and healing touch was developed by a nurse for nurses. And I was at the healing touch conference and this friend, she said, Hey, I want you to enter to introduce you to this other woman also named Mary. And Mary said, Oh, you live in Missouri too? Well, we're going to have a uh, class uh, um, class on shamanism in two weeks. And before she even finished, out of my mouth, I said, I'm going to be there. I thought, <laughs> I didn't even ask a thing about it. I just knew. And I thought I was going for a weekend class. And here I am 23 years later, and I'm still studying. And I it was like the minute I walked into that class and we did our first exercises, I was like, I am home. And I think it is part of that DNA recognition of that's that's where our healers came from, is from shamanism. And there are, you know, of course there are Andean shamanisms, which is what I studied. There's North American, there's Japanese, there's Chinese. You know, there are shamans in every indigenous community. And I am so grateful to those indigenous healers to be willing to share with us, you know, the Westerners with a completely different mindset to be able to share their groundedness, their healing techniques, their way of communicating with nature, because that's that's the fundamental of every shamanic practice is nature. We are all one and nature is there to support us, to work with us, but they are not our subjects. We are equals to the trees, the plants, the water, the stones, the sky. I love that. I, I have always really resonated with that. It is that reverence for all and that knowing that we are all one. So that's what initially really struck me about shamanism. Then I honestly I just love their healing techniques. Like I said, I, I, I study Peruvian shamanism and in Peruvian shamanism, we work with identifying the block that's keeping you from, I don't know, say finding your dream job or um, the trauma that continues to snatch you back and snatch you back and snatch you back. We work on that energetic level to remove that energetically. And that empowers our clients. I'm not here to quote unquote, do anything. I'm here to walk with you and help you to identify and help you to remove those blocks. But the way that I do my healing, I want you to be completely present and assist in removing those blocks. I don't want to be somebody's yogi who's like, oh, do this for me. That's not my role. My role is to assist you, to sit with you, to walk with you, 
but you empower, you are empowered to heal yourself through this. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I, I love all of that. And especially the empowerment piece, because I do think sometimes people expect or assume or want the healer to be the one doing it and um, mm-hmm. for them to just go and be like, heal me, do it. You know, And yes. it's so important, I think, too, to that the the person that's there to, you know, the, the client, the sitter, however you want to look at it, that they realize that they're a part of the whole process and that their own willingness to receive, but also to like do do the work alongside, you know, the, the healer. That is so important. It absolutely is. It absolutely. in in my belief, it just makes all the difference in the world to have the client fully engaged, not checked out, not waiting for somebody else, as you said, not waiting for somebody else to do the work, mm-hmm. heal mm-hmm. them, help them to be, but to be part of that is just fundamental in my opinion. That's beautiful. And with, you know, the connection to nature and the reverence for nature and um, respect for the natural world, I I think that's so beautiful. And that is something that I think in certain societies we've, we've come away from it or we've certainly lost that connection in a way. But that, that to me is so, that's such a beautiful like I was going to say practice, but it is a way of living. It's it's basically a, a a belief system, you know, like living in harmony with nature and with that respect for for nature. So too, I um, I struggle with the concept that man was put here to have dominion over, because boy, if that's mm-hmm. the truth, we've done a heck of a poor job of. Yeah treating treating our natural world with the respect that it deserves. I mean, it supports us. It feeds us. It gives us a place to live. And I think that it deserves that reverence. And I can't, in my cosmology, I cannot mm-hmm. conceive of, of not envisioning everything as one, including the divine, including God, the the great spirit, whatever your name for that, which is bigger than us, you know, it's all one. You know, God is in this tree that I'm looking out my window at right now. It's within me. It's within you. It's within all of your listeners. Um, You know, I just firmly, that's, that's the way I walk this world. And it finally, that made sense to me. That made sense to me. Um, You know, Organized religion didn't make sense for, to me. No, and me shamanism does. Yeah. Oh, I get. Yeah, yeah, it's it's absolutely beautiful, and I think also something that feels really beautiful about it is it true that like cere- like ceremony is a, a part mm. of it, part of the practice. Absolutely, it absolutely is. We do a lot of ceremony, and I got to tell you. I, when I did my very first class and my teachers said exactly that, we're going to mm-hmm. do a lot of ceremony. I was like, Mm-mm, not me. I did enough ceremony in church. This, <laughs> right. I am not kidding, Melissa. I was like, uh, uh, big walls. No. <laughs> ceremony 
in the shamanic world is so individualized. It's not somebody, it's not a top down thing of Mm -hmm. you must do it this way and I'm the one who knows and you don't. It's not that at all. It's you bring your your belief, your reverence, your presence, your holiness to the ceremonies. You know, fire ceremonies are so amazing to do. And, you know, there are fire ceremonies, you can do them for lots of different things. You can do them for celebrations. You can do them when somebody does pass to the spirit world. There's a particular fire that we do. There also is I, I personally love this. We use what what we call a death arrow. Well, a death arrow is what you're finished with, what you're done doing. You're done being small. You're done in a dead relationship, whatever. And you grab a stick, and it doesn't have to be a large one, just a small stick. You're in front of your fire. You wait with that fire You don't do it as soon as the fire's lit. You sit with that fire. You might sing a song to that fire. You might rattle or drum. And then you will notice the quality of that fire changes. And it becomes what we call a friendly fire. It's a strange thing to think about, but when you experience it, you will you will know, oh, there it is. There's the change. When you notice that change, you take your stick, your death arrow, what you're done with, and you blow your intent in there. Say, for instance, it is a job that is a dead-end job. I am finished being small. I am finished sitting in a job that doesn't respect me. And you use your sacred breath to blow your intent into that. Then you throw that into the flame. Now, we go further with that. And you take your hands into the flame just quickly. And you gather that energy of that flame and you bring it to your belly. Your belly is your area of right action and you go you rub your hands counterclockwise as if you were cleaning out a bowl because you're cleaning out any last little bits of resistance or dustiness surrounding the issue and then you blow that back into the flame you go back in you gather more of that flame that energy and you bring it to your belly and you rock your hands back and forth to bring it into balance and you go in one last time into that flame and you bring it back and you rub your hands on your belly in a clockwise fashion to energize that freedom that newness of that bringing in what it is you want. Because once we remove this energy that doesn't serve us, that leaves a vacuum, Mother Nature is going to fill it one way or another. And so we ought to be the ones who fill it. Bringing in, I am ready for a job that respects me. I am ready for a job that fulfills me. I'm ready to be completely present 
in my job. So you do that belly, you do the same thing to your heart, which is about right loving. And yes, we can love our jobs. Please, God, let us love our jobs since we spend so much time there. So you bring, you clear it out, you gather what it is you want, and then you come the third time clockwise to really set that. And then you go in a third time to the third center of exchange, which is right at your forehead, right at the third eye. And that is right thinking. Belly is right action. Heart is right loving. Forehead is right thinking. You unwind, go in, gather what you want, go in again and set it going clockwise. So that's just one quick example of how to do one type of fire ceremony. But any of your listeners, try it. It is an amazing experience. If you're not able to go outside, say, for instance, you do live in an apartment, mm-hmm. use a candle. It, 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 does, it is so much about sacred intent, so much of shamanic ceremony is about our intent. And you can use a candle. A, um, I like to use one of two things when I use a candle. Now, of course, I'm, I put it in a pie pan or I might even go put the candle in the sink. You don't want to start a fire. But I either break a toothpick in half. That's my death arrow. Or mm-hmm. I get a little piece of tissue paper you know, just plain old tissue paper, because both of those are going to combust pretty fast. And you don't freak out about, oh, my God, what if it did? What if I did it wrong? What if it doesn't burn? Blah, blah, blah. You know, we can yeah. get conscious mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it truly is our sacred intent and your sacred presence, the reverence that you bring to it. That's what makes this so effective and so powerful. That's so so phenomenal. I just absolutely love everything you've said there. And as you were speaking, I wrote down the power of intention. And then you said it like a minute later. And I'm like, (laughs) that's what I really believe in. That it's just the intent that we bring. And you can create a ceremony for yourself, you know, in using your intent and it isn't you're right it isn't about the little details and it's not like a how to like step by step like here do it this way I think that Mm -hmm. you create something extremely powerful and extremely holy just in you know setting that intention and then I think the beautiful one of the beautiful things about a ceremonial type experience is that we can talk and talk and talk about what we want to do, what we want to change. And we can get an understanding on a, like more of a analytical kind of logical human physical world level. But sometimes I think it's, it leaves us feeling a little bit not as empowered as we could be, unless we're putting it into practice or we're doing something with the energy of it. So it feels like, this particular type of ceremony that you're mentioning, it gives someone something to do instead of just thinking and feeling it. It's like you can actually experience it. And I think that's really powerful. That's very powerful. And yes, it's all very true. The one thing that I do want to add about ceremony and Mm -hmm. 
We are not in any way casting any spells, anything like that. That is mm-hmm. not what shamanism is about. Mm-hmm. So the one, uh, the, and, and the one caution or the one mm-hmm. word of advice I would give surrounding this is I would not go and say, I want to marry Joe Blow that lives at 123 South Main Street, because yeah. that's us telling spirit we know better than you do. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not very cool. So I you know to leave you. it open-ended. Yes. Mm-hmm. My the the best relationship for me, you know, that sort of thing, the best job for me, the best house for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's always, always, always the gratitude part to wrap up any ceremony from the depths of your heart, hand on your heart, saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Even if we just, even if we're not doing a ceremony, when you do a meditation or, you know, just think about that. Think about that for a minute, that you're ready to go to bed. You're sleepy, tired. You think about the day, you think of something to give gratitude for, even if it is just as simple and as magnificent as was an incredible sunset today. If, and then ending with thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, does that ever change the energy of the room? It changes your energy. It opens that doorway to you and spirit. It opens it. So beautiful. And so, so true. I actually had a a moment like that this morning. Mm -hmm. I woke up and I I was so exhausted last night and I just had a bit of a, I don't know, it was like a restless kind of sleep. And when I woke up this morning, my first feeling was like, oh, like I just felt so still kind of groggy and just not, not the best. But I just, had this feeling to put exactly kind of what you said, just put my hand on my heart. And I just said, Oh, thank you for being here. Cause I just really felt that like, I wanted to turn my attention to spirit and just, just say thank you. And uh, instantly can't say that I felt like a hundred percent better, but I certainly felt way better. And it just kind of shifted my outlook, you know, like instead of starting the day with like, Oh, I was starting it feeling like, Oh, I know. Thank you for being with me. And they kind of, in turn, give you that that feeling like, yes, we are. It's such a, I don't know, it's such a small little moment, but it actually is so impactful. It's so big. Absolutely. If you could see me right now, I have the biggest smile on my face because that makes me so happy when other people experience this. And I know you're a healer from many years, so I know you you experience this often, but I, I just love that. I love hearing everybody's story about their aha moment of opening that doorway to spirit or resetting our mood, resetting our outlook on life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm interested too in, cause I know, so you were a registered nurse for um, a period of time. How, how did you make the transition from that work into your different type of healing work? Well, Melissa, here's the deal. I loved mental health nursing. I Mm -hmm. really loved it. But 
I didn't love working within a structure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did not. Mm-hmm. I was very good at that. I come from a family of nine kids and seven of us, eight of us rather, eight of us own our own businesses because it's just not in our makeup to work for somebody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. My, yeah, my husband is a wildlife artist and we figured out pretty darn quick that if we left the selling and the marketing of his artwork up to him, we truly would be living the life of a starving artist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, when I was in nursing and this was back in the age of dinosaurs, I was, what I really wanted to do is what I'm doing now. I wanted to be the person who would sit in the emergency room with families as their loved ones came in, you know, or sat with their families as somebody was passing. Well, that was just, they looked at me like I was sprouting three heads when I suggested that to the hospital. That was just not going to fly. So it wasn't that big of a stretch for me to leave. Mm-hmm. It, was, it wasn't. It was So I actually, I ran our business, Al doing, creating the artwork. He's an amazing artist and me doing the marketing up until the point where we had these tragic passings that absolutely, I like you had mentioned earlier, I had no choice. I had to pursue this. There's more to this world. There's more to healing. And I got to figure this out because I kind of tinkered with it all along, just little bits here and there. But when those traumas happened, it was, I had no choice. I had to explore it further. And so that is, that's really how I came into being where I am now. And I just am so intrigued, I think, because I was a nurse and had that desire, that innate ability to listen to people, to be present with people, and to really want to help people. That also helped when I made this switch and dove head in into the shamanic practice, shamanic healing, and then into the mediumship, it all just flowed. Once I opened that door, as you mentioned earlier, once I opened that door, spirit was right there to continue to open another door and another door and another door till I am where I am now. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm always really amazed when people do have um, the medical background because I always think of like all of these references you must have at your fingertips when it comes to anatomy, mm-hmm. different kinds mm-hmm. of illness. Because sometimes, like, I mean, I have to, I have to work on this, but like, uh, I'll feel, I feel so much, of course, like clairsentiently, and I'll feel it in the body, but I'll go to say, oh, like. <laughs> but I don't even know. I'm like, where is the, where is the liver? Like I, it's like such a (laughs) 
concept that I, unless I hear it or I get it in a different way, like uh, maybe through the claircognizance, when I'm feeling it, I have to almost point, like use my own body and be like right in here. Like, oh my, it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. So yeah. I do need, yeah, I need to, to know more about the human anatomy. But I always think, oh, when people have worked as a nurse or a doctor or whatever, and then they come into the mediumship, I'm always thinking, oh, that's so cool to have those, you know, have that awareness, have that knowledge. You know, I, I do love it. It does give me that frame of reference. But, you know, just like you said, I have other, I have areas where I don't know either. If spirit shows me a car, I could describe the car, but don't ask me to name it because cars don't mean anything to me. So. Right. That's so, yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's like, yeah, we they work with what we, we know and what we yes. understand. Yes, yes. Yeah, which is, I mean, in itself, I think that's so fascinating, like, that spirit, that intelligence, like the, just that they're so clever, they know exactly what to show us that we will recognize, that we will understand and be able to express and be able to offer. Like to me, it's just amazing how that, how they orchestrate all of that. Isn't that the truth? And you know, and I'm sure you found this too. One of the biggest things for mediums in training is getting over ourselves, getting over oh, like, oh, yes. I can't say that, <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, like literally the very first medi purely mediumistic experience I had is a friend of mine's husband had passed and in, she lives in Maryland. I'm in Missouri and so I couldn't be with her. He passed suddenly. But, you know, in as a, as a shamanic practitioner, I do death rites. And so I called her and asked if she'd like me to do death rites for her husband. And I did. And she said, ask him if he has anything to say to me. And so I did the death rites. And, I, and then I said, Paul, is there anything you would like to say to Jennifer? And I felt air past my right ear and heard namaste. And I got to say, I was like, oh my God, I cannot tell this grieving woman that her husband said namaste because that cannot possibly be. And it makes no sense. So I struggled for probably 20 minutes before I called Jennifer. And I said, okay, Paul says namaste. And she lost it because she said, Paul never said goodbye to her. He said, namaste. Wow. And I was like, yeah, get out of our way. They know, they know what needs to the message. They know what the person's going to understand. And we got to get out of the way. <laughs> That's so cool. And so true because can you imagine if you just didn't, you know, you just didn't because you weren't sure what it meant. Mm -hmm. It's like robbing that person of that experience, but it's also not really honoring the spirit person because the spirit person has given the information. So yes. I, I always think, yeah, like when, when people struggle to, to just say it and to, to offer it, I always think about it from that perspective that, you know, Yes, we could. We can always misinterpret. We could always, you know, there's there's always a risk of that. But if we hold back, we're really holding everyone back. Not it's not just us. We're we're holding spirit back and the the opportunity there for the sitter. So although it takes so much courage, 
I think once you once you get used to doing that, um, it becomes second nature. You just—it's almost like the weirder the better. It's like you know, if something's strange, likely that is really true, and likely it's also very important. <laughs> You're so right on that. I love that. The weirder the better. Yeah, because I mean, it's just there's there's a reason there's a reason it's coming yeah. coming through, yeah. and I think yeah. also you know it's true what you're saying about getting over ourselves, and that's that's so big, that's huge because I always think like who am I to judge if this is good information or bad information before I've even said it? Like, let me just offer it. If someone says no or I don't know, the that's like the worst. That's the worst that could happen. I'll survive. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll go back mm-hmm. to spirit. We'll, we'll figure it out. It's it's really mm-hmm. not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And so I I just think that's the key thing for so many people that are tr- you know really trying to develop their mediumship. You just have to become sort of okay with the fact that you probably won't understand quite a bit of what's coming through in the moment that you're speaking it. But trusting that you it will develop, it will unfold. You'll you know you'll get there. So true. And gosh. That is so key, what you said earlier about that. If we do not give the information out of fear, out of whatever reason, not giving the information, we do deprive our client out of a potentially immensely healing experience for them to really know, yes, that's my husband, that's my son, that's my mother. So yeah, that's that's a uh, a very very important point there, Melissa. Mm-hmm. And part of it, I think, is fear. You know, because we, of course, we want to get it right. But yeah. I also think part of it too, a lot of it, is that we don't we we're taking that responsibility very seriously, and we understand that the words that we speak and the information that we bring, we know that it has a profound effect or has potential to have a profound effect on someone. And so I think part of it too is out of really wanting to do the right thing and and wanting to do it justice and and all of that. So it's just, I think, important to, yeah, we just get out of that mindset that perfection is the goal or that perfection is expected and just recognizing that, you know, we can, we, we just offer, offer it and then recognize that the way to be of service and to honor them is to really be true, you know, to what we're, be true to what you're getting. That is so true. Perfectionism is a major stumbling block in life in general. Oh, God. Uh, and, and I'm speaking that as a recovering perfectionist. Same. Uh, it, it, it really gets in the way of mediumship. You know, um, Mavis Patilla, she taught me one of the most important uh, lessons she says, you know, you've got to not be worried about whether you're right or wrong, because even the best medium on their best night is going to be 80%. And it's yeah. like, so you're going to give information that somebody's like, no, I don't understand that. And you're right. Well, okay. With enough experience and with enough uh, having done this for years and years, it's like, great. Thank you for letting me know. Let me go back and figure out from spirit. Let me go chat with them again. Where did I go wrong? It's not spirit went wrong and it's not yeah. the sitter. It's not our client. 
it's something I misinterpreted. And that's mm-hmm. okay. It's part mm-hmm. of the process. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a really important, important thing to keep in mind. And I think like I've had experiences where in the moment I've gone back and I've tried to like reinterpret and we still didn't get to it. Like and mm-hmm. in the moment. And that's I think that's a tough one. But what I recognized was that uh, it was sort of like this one experience that stands out where I was doing a group reading for a bunch of ladies and it was going well. And then we got to this one spirit communicator, like a younger man in spirit and nobody, like nobody knew who he was. Nobody understood the information. And I was like, okay, all right. And then I ended up being like, okay, well let's carry on and we'll see, you know, maybe we can come back to him or we'll see. And then I bring the next spirit and it's this woman and again, <laughs> nobody knew who she was. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh God, like, is, is this how mm-hmm. it ends? Like, is this the end of my mediumship career? <laughs> um, I really was like puzzled and kind of, it wasn't the best. Like, it's not the, it's not the best feeling. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, obviously I've, I've gone wrong somewhere, but anyways, carried on and finished and more people came through that they under, you know, they, they understood. And that was fine. I, I left and I was still a bit puzzled. I'm like, well, who are these people? Like, I don't, I don't get it. And then the next day, the host of the group messaged me and she said, you know, as you were talking about the young man and then the woman, she said it sounded like my my cousin and my grandma, but she's like, I've been estranged from my family for like 10 years. I haven't talked to any of them. And she said, it sort of inspired her to call someone in the family. They had a discussion and it turns out that her cousin had passed and no one had told her. And also mm. that grandma was in spirit now and she hadn't been notified. Mm. And mm. obviously not the best way to find out. Like you don't want to find out those things as a surprise. Right. But it did show me something that even in the moment where I don't understand what's going on. The sitters did not understand what's going on. It's still possible that something could be happening that is very true and very like correct, but just that we didn't have we didn't have that knowledge or that awareness in the moment. So it kind of freed me in a lot of ways to be like, well, we don't sometimes we just don't know. You know, and what I'm also hearing here, and I'm sure you already know this, but I'm just going to say it anyway, mm-hmm. is it happened that way as a blessing because that woman made contact with the family. We don't know. Maybe that estrangement is still going on, or maybe that was the first step in healing those relationships. And if she had been able to take the information, she might not have picked up the phone and ever called them. And that could go on for another 20 years where this way, she did make that call. She was brave enough to pick up the phone. And you and I don't know where that led those relationships then. Yeah, so I think what true. a healing, beautiful, mm-hmm. hard for you, hard for the medium to stand yeah. up there. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> you know, like, it is. Well, there's no doubt. And we've all been there. Yeah. Um, it's, but it, but it, it was such a good thing, though, because now, you know, if something like that occurs, I'm much less likely to spiral and to start thinking that I've just completely lost, you know, lost it. And 
yeah, I kind of can give myself a little bit like a reminder in that moment that like, no, you know, well, of course, I'm always going to try to get to the bottom of it. But if there's a, you know, some, some instance where we don't, I can kind of have more peace with it now and just say, okay, yes. I know there's something, there's something about that. But, you know, I'll mm-hmm. always be honest and say, I just, at this moment, I don't know what, I don't know exactly what the meaning is, but let's just, you know, we can, we can keep that in mind at least. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's always, yeah, that was interesting. Right. Yeah. I wonder also things that you might do as far as your own like care, your wellness, like mentally, physically, spiritually, Mm -hmm. what kind of, what kind of things do you do in that regard? Well, the major thing I do is I schedule alone time to recharge. And, you know, my husband takes no offense when I say, you know what, I got to have some alone time, you need to go somewhere, or I need to go somewhere. So that I think is, is paramount. I also am very particular about my energy and who I'm around. If I'm around people who are energy vampires or, you know, just really drain you or it's all drama, 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 I have found myself just not putting myself in those situations anymore. It's not about always about being nice and and being the good girl or the best you know, hostess or whatever, sometimes it's about taking care of ourselves. And if that means stepping back from somebody that you feel worse when you're around them, sometimes it's not worth being around them. I do also, in in um, years of doing this, I do it without even thinking anymore. But I used to have this ritual of, I called it zipping up, you know, before I'd go into a department store or um, to a big a party with a lot of people. I just would take my hand, start it at the, you know, my, my first chakra and just go straight up the front. And I'd say, I'm zipping up, not my stuff, not my stuff, not my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would set that intent before I would go in. Now it's just second nature. And I do that all the time. Though I also do have to say that oh, shopping is a chore for me. You know, it it is. It's a lot. Or like we just flew home, uh, flew back to Missouri last week being in airports. You just, as empaths, we all have to just be mindful of our energy. The more though that I stay rooted in the divine, in that concept of we are all one, in that concept that, um, you know, the God source lives within me and that hard work of coming to a place of truly loving myself, that allows me to project that loving energy out. And to me, it does almost put like a force field of love around me. And it draws in the people who are supposed to be in my energy field. And people who do not resonate with that frequency, I just don't come into contact with them anymore. I think that's all really important. I spend a lot of time outside. If I can't physically be outside, 
I am traveling outside in my mind. You know, I am picturing a favorite river or a mountain or a hike. You know, I just put myself mentally into sacredness. Beautiful. Wow. I I love yeah. all of that. Yeah. 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 I think especially sometimes the the connection with being outdoors is it, something that I think we sometimes take for granted or that I'll say to someone like, oh, I just, I feel like you really just need to get yourself outside. Like you need to actually feel mm. the wind on your face and you need to be, you know, just in nature. And I think yes. sometimes people think it's just so, I don't know, like it's too simple. And it is simple, but it is profound. And we need, I, I think we need to be outside more than we realize. And I, exactly that. You can you can bring that experience to you. You can create a sanctuary for yourself anywhere. Anywhere. Right. And, you know, you had mentioned earlier on in this conversation about that ceremony doesn't have to be, you know, this giant ordeal. It can be the most simple, but the most sacred and we and that's exactly the same of what you're talking about you know getting outside getting recharged by mother nature you know i never hesitate to tell people that i am a tree hugger you know that has mm -hmm. become a derogatory term i don't mm -hmm. care i love yeah. hugging trees cuz that is such a beautiful energy when you take the time to truly experience that tree not walk by like, okay, well, I, I got to get my steps in, you know, that's, yeah. not, that's a different kind of being outside. That's true. Just being, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, I wonder if there's anything, yeah, anything else you would want to share before I let you go? You know, the one thing that I do want to share, because I, so many students and clients tell me this, that they, they can't tell their family what they really believe. They can't tell their family that, hey, I'm an intuitive and I know things before they happen, or I'm taking a mediumship class, or I'm taking a class on Reiki or reading auras. I can't do that because they think I was weird. And one of the most empowering things that I did for myself, and I promise you it took me years to get to this place of coming out of the closet and proclaiming to people loud and proud, here is who I am. This is what I do. And it was regardless of other people's potential fears, because it would be their fear speaking if they laugh at you or joke. And you know, Honestly, Melissa, all the years, because it was probably 10 or 15 years ago, I was like, I cannot hide who I am anymore. I need to just be honest about who and what I am. I literally have never had anybody ridicule me to my face. You know, they might, outside of my hearing, I don't care. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, I need to live my authentic life. So I would encourage people, please 
get over the fear of what other people are going to think if you speak your truth and you follow your path because we're not here we're not here to please other people you've got to please yourself you got to live your authentic life yes oh that's so perfect and i love that and it is such a it's a it's a thing about freedom really like freedom to it is and express and honor who you are and i think yes. that's that's the biggest thing that or oh, i can't say the but it's a really big part of the healing that i think comes when we do embrace mediumship or however you know whatever healing modality you you use it's a freedom to really accept yourself but also appreciate yourself for who you are because i used to feel like ashamed of my sensitivity, like my deep sensitivity. Yes. I was made to mm -hmm. feel at times like it was a defect in me. When mm -hmm. now I look back and I think, oh, wow, isn't it so interesting that now that same quality is something that people appreciate and also that I appreciate about myself. So I think that's really, really healing to be able to say who you are and then be who you are. Yes. And it, it is sort of... Um, in many ways, it gives other people the courage to do it for themselves as well. It does. Absolutely. If if they see, oh my gosh, Melissa did that, or Mary said this, I can too. And yeah, it is, it is an immensely uh, important step in your own self-healing journey. Definitely. Can yeah. you share with us where people can find you? Sure. I'm on Facebook at The Sacred Threshold. And my website is also thesacredthreshold.com. And, you know, I do, I have some online classes on there. I'm going to be adding more in the coming year. I'm so excited about that and some in-person things and uh, also about my healing sessions. So, Oh, fantastic. I can't thank you enough. I'm so like honored that you came and that you shared and it's lifted me up as well. So I just really thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it too. And Melissa, let's not let five years go by before we chat again. Yes, hundred percent. I agree. I agree. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll, I'll leave us um, there with that, but um, to the listeners wishing you uh, lots of love wherever you are and whenever you're listening, take good care and we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or feel free to leave a rating and a review. You can follow me on Instagram at Melissa White Medium or on Facebook, Psychic Medium Melissa White. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.